0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Curve Podcast. We are back. We've been gone for a little while, but we are back, it's exciting, and we have a full house here tonight. Um, it is t- Thursday, not Tuesday, it is Thursday, April 27th, when we are taping this. Um, before we get started, as we always do, we're going to go around and uh, hear a little tiny bit. When I say a little tiny bit, I mean like a one sentence uh, bio of each of our participants um, let's start with uh, Sadie, who's who's been on the show before, but is back. Sadie, you want to kind of give your background and kind of what got you into the space?
1: Uh, sure. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I work in TradFi. I'm a financial services private equity investor. And um, I got into this space uh, in the summer of 2021 when I failed to mint board Apes and minted some other thing instead.
0: <laughs> That's great. I love that bio. Uh, great. Let's move on to you. What's your uh, quick one-liner?
2: uh hey everyone my name is grant uh i come from the traditional consulting world uh and mid 2021 i too like many of you was tricked uh into the world of nfts and now i sit on my ass uh <laughs> losing money all day it's fun i
0: thought i thought you're just gonna stop it and, and now i sit on my ass because that's also a nice uh ending to that
3: <laughs> uh okay eric what about you Hey guys, uh, Eric, uh, former Truffle weirdo, now full-time NFT weirdo. Uh, I got into the space by minting uh, Pax cubes. Oh wow, so, I didn't realize that. I'm so sorry. you can you can just go ahead and just lower your opinion of me by like three <laughs> full notches. How okay,
0: but I want to do have one question about this. How did you come to pack? Was it were you coming from something else? Like, pack seems like a semi weird entry point. Was it like some art person said you got to see this? What this digital artist is doing?
3: So so. It was around the time when like Nifty Gateway near the tail end of Nifty Gateway yes. popping off. That's what got me uh, out of it originally. And, yeah. and, and then, you know, he had done a before the cubes, he had done like a previous edition that was really successful. Uh, and this was a this was at a point where I, I think like the full the, the hype machine was fully behind him. Yeah. Uh, and so I minted these fucking cubes. Uh, and then my coworkers at the time like proceeded to just make fun of me for like months on end. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of months later, I, 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 just log in. I see, I sell the cubes for like 20 X and then I'm like, ah, okay. Um, yeah. this, this is interesting. Um, and now that, that was sort of on the, on, at the same time, you know, when punks four days and everything was taken off and that, that kind of drew me into the space. Right. That makes sense. Okay. Uh,
0: let's see salty. What about you? You want to introduce
3: yourself? Yes.
0: Salty,
4: uh, I own some crypto. I'm a researcher and I guess I'm here because I can read white papers and only get slightly less confused than most people, I guess.
0: <laughs> but you're pretty good at it too. Uh okay, really quickly, my name is Fonky Donk, aka Gavin Purcell, and I am a media person and I spend too much money and have lost a lot of money on NFTs. Uh and have never really done that great a job of buying anything, but I find them interesting and I continue to do so. So there we are. Uh okay, let's jump in for this week. It's been a been another uh weird week of of crypto stuff. I mean, it's hard to kind of encapsulate the world of where we are at right now. Um let's do our one word kind of about the market things because I think that in my mind, we are now in <laughs> my one word is gonna be like I guess purgatory is a word that I would use. I feel like we're in purgatory. And that that doesn't mean we're in hell, which you know it's like clearly It's not the end all it's not the end as much as people might want to kind of paint it as i also think we're (laughs) we're a long ways from salvation like we have to do something pretty significant to get ourselves back to the promised ground i don't know what that is and i'm not sure how to do it right now so that's what my kind of one word for the market is um if you had to pick one word to describe the market in your mind right now what would it be
1: um my word is pepe
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay pretty good pretty good uh, and why is that
1: i think it's meme meta um but, you know both on the limited volume we've seen on the nft side and then on the shitcoin side it's it's all about um all about the memes
0: yeah that's fair i also we should we'll dig into pepe a little bit today too so we kind of haven't had a chance to talk about it as a group but like Definitely, some shenanigans going on there, but it's an interesting conversation to have uh and I think we should dive in but uh first, what about you, Grant? What's your word to describe the market this week
2: a uh, clown car which <laughs> is just a less eloquent way of your it's, yeah, it's a less eloquent way of saying what you already said uh we saw literally yesterday how exactly how much liquidity is in this market to just push around Bitcoin and Ethereum like they're fucking, exactly like they're Pepe or Jesus or whatever the heck Sadie has been into uh, this week. And there's just not enough attention and liquidity right now for more than one narrative to last even a couple of weeks. So that's where we are. And that's, I think, where we'll be uh, until um, traditional markets uh, capitulate and then correct and then we start a new economic cycle. That, that's been my thesis, and I've been repeating that for the past few podcasts, <laughs> so I won't belabor myself.
0: I know. It's been like, well, I feel like it's been six months at this point, but I, I totally hear where you're coming from. Uh, Salty, what about you? What is your one word for the market this week?
4: Uh, it's going to be uh, a portmanteau or hyphenated like it always is. Uh, this one's Jared from Subway. For two reasons: one, oh. uh, Jared from Subway, the MEV bot, was eating, yep. uh, sandwiching people <laughs> um, nonstop during shitcoin season, which is really MEV season. Um, and two, uh, just like Jared from Subway, we're slowly wasting away to nothing. As <laughs> in terms of, uh, if you look at indicators like you know stable coins and stuff, I mean it's it's been big trades. You know you feel this in price action yeah. because there's less money on chain uh slushing around. So we're we're losing yep. weight, but uh not 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 good.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I also I I we have a in a Discord, we have a blur bot set up that kind of shows people dumping uh blur. And one of the things has been fast not dumping blur, dumping dumping NFTs or buying NFTs on Blur. And one of the things that's been kind of scary to see at least a couple of days ago was just like giant chunks of ETH being pulled from the blur bl, uh, bl, blur bid pool. Like just giant chunks and you're like, oh boy. That's money that's kind of like slowly wasting away, but but we can talk more about that. Um let's see who else. Uh who did I not go to? Eric, did you give your, your word yet?
3: Uh yeah, my mine is simple. It's leverage. Right. Uh it is, you know, all things considered e BTC off the lows, um, new new recent highs. But if you look across the timeline, no one is fucking happy. And that is because on the way up, everyone is levered to the fucking hill and just getting liquidated on every wick. Uh, Yesterday was instructive, or I think if you spent the day trading, whether you were long or short, you probably got liquidated and lost money. Um, If you went in the morning and bought Ethereum and went about your day and didn't do anything, uh, and then just came back at night. You would say, "Hey, I'm up slightly." Well, like the the, the rest of the timeline is just in complete it's just complete bedlam. And I I think yeah. I think so much of this is that there's not enough liquidity, um, but leverage access to leverage across sexes and dexes and NFTs are still so very very easy. So that when when these moves when you have these outside low liquidity driven moves. Um, it has an outsized impact on yeah. people just because you're back levering like irresponsibly by irresponsible amounts on, on, on the back end. And you are literally like on the on, on chain seeing, you know, eight figure accounts grind down into six over a matter of weeks in in a in a in a price environment where the overall trajectory has been up. Yeah. Do you think it's just so I
0: understand as somebody like a layman, like in this world, like those are people who have tried doing leverage trading and just gotten burned on small moves. Is that what you're saying?
3: Yeah. So yeah. So, so, look at, you know, yesterday Yesterday was 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 a great example, right? Like Ethereum starts today at 1838. Uh, a, the mother, a, a massive short squeeze ensues in the, ne- in the next several hours where in issues from 1828 to 1960. Uh, and if you're tracking leverage long positions, you can basically see people fomoing and chasing this on incredible leverage because, because the allure of leverage is always, Hey, like I can make a lot of fucking money. If I use the leverage and I just, and I win. Uh, and so, you know, why wouldn't I do that? It is quote unquote, more capital efficient. Right. Obviously the offset is that if you lever enough on a small wick, um, you get fucking lanced. And so, if you're trading at, let's say, you know, the uh, a conservative leverage ratio of 50 times, uh, a two percent move will basically wreck you. Um, very conservative. Very super conservative. <laughs> uh, and and so, you know, what what proceeds to happen is, like two hours, like in after it hits 1960, the mother all meltdown ensues. Like three hundred million dollars of open interest gets wiped out. And you round trip and and basically start out where you end up where you started at the at the beginning of the day. The only difference is over that period of time, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of leveraged long positions piled in, and then it just proceeded to get liquidated in a five to ten minute block. Um, and it it was just it's just completely toxic. And and so I I, I think like I, I I think that that really is is the sense of of you know the feeling that I get um across these marketplaces, well whether it's you know cartoons or coins, it's just it's like so much leverage behind everything like these. And then you're you're in like a you know kind of a narrative lull. So these 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 like no one even though prices are better than where they were a year ago, like no one is happy and we're just all yeah. you know fucking miserable. <laughs> That's a good title for the podcast this time.
0: No one is happy and we're all fucking miserable.
4: I just want to ask on this, uh, especially Eric, now that you're like you've gone full mentally ill into leverage stuff, like uh are there consistent winners here or is like like are there are there real outperformers? Is there like a Steph Curry of leverage trading? Or is it mostly liars and fronters and everybody's losing like
3: 50-50? No, so so the TA guys, um, and I, I used to like not be I used to kind of make fun of ta coming from a traditional like a trap five background uh, because it, it it usually the only times I see people using tas is 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 you know like fifty year old billionaires that have nothing better to do than day trade um, and but but i I kind of understand the utility now because the consistently successful traders. Uh, follow a system, and and usually TA is for most of retail the most accessible system that you can pick up and learn. Um, and so half of trading really is about not fucking up, making mistakes, and revenge trading. Uh, and if you have a system, any type of system, where you know the moment you get the sensation to like make it all back, it tells you not to, and you wait. That usually is super plus EV for for any trader. So even though like. You're not your hit rates aren't materially good. And and most guys I follow on the time, I don't have materially good hit rates. Um, they can they can avoid enough of the mistakes so that when they do hit, you know, they hit big, it more than offsets on everything else and they kind of consistently grind up and make and make money. But like I think most of retail most of retail loses simply because, you know, it's just a game of like you have a system, you play the odds when they're favorable, but the odds don't always work out. So you're still going to get fucking lanced every once in a while. Uh, and the difference between someone that is successful and someone that is not is basically the successful person can just get absolutely obliterated, go right back to trading, ask if nothing happened, follows the system, the, the same system and, and take the emotion out of it. And you eventually come out successfully. Um, and, and so like, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not versed enough to, on TA to really speak to, to, to the specifics, but I, I think like, you know, from an outsider's perspective where I see TA really playing out is that it just gives guys like a playbook and then they follow the playbook and having a playbook, it already makes you, puts you in like the temper top 10% of retail traders by, by just by virtue of being able to kind of fall out fucking planet.
0: Uh, one thing about, so so one thing I have a question about leverage trading is like, how many people are actively out there leverage trading crypto? Is it, is it a big business? Do people, are there, is there a lot of people doing it?
3: Yeah, it's why CZ is probably one of the richest people in the world. Yeah, that's it, interesting. It, it's, it's that he, you know, the, the major innovation of crypto, as Salty alluded, it mentioned before, is, is the perpetual contract, which allows you to basically trade futures on, on leverage uh, and the underlying business of providing funding, you know, charging people a funding rate on those contracts, it just becomes an insanely lucrative business for the market for, for, for the, you know, for the exchange operators.
2: It's what's kept the space going actually, uh, while Vitalik has been building essentially (laughs) everyone's been up slots. And the crops table, <laughs> while well, yeah. two, two builders have been, you know, doing their thing slowly and subtly.
3: Yeah, nothing nothing fucking works here, right? It, it's just like, there's still yeah. no product. And so the the most meaningful utility for crypto right now, it is the, it's the, probably the world's greatest open air casino. Right. Because right. uh, we can all be degenerate anywhere in the world. And we can all speculate as we watch other people win or just completely get obliterated.
0: And which the, the win to obliteration rate is about like a very very is rare. probably
3: 10%. Uh, speaking of that,
0: Graham, it reminds me of something you've been talking about this podcast for literally months, if not longer. Like, you know, I, we talked about the Dow liquidations and something, you know, that kind of happened and went over the last couple of weeks is there were definitely Dow liquidations. I mean, I think in part, that franklin got liquidated in some of his apes and and apes dip below 50 eth for the first time and i don't know how long like what i assume that that is you know something that you feel like we've now hit are do you feel like there's more of that to come or ha- have we kind of now hit that point where liquidations are happening even in the nft space and that maybe there's a turning point coming
2: yeah i i, I mean i don't think there's like a v-shaped recovery coming anytime soon I, you know, I tend to think of any recovery, uh, for a risk asset with a profile like NFTs to be like pretty U-shaped. But yeah, I think I think we're probably there. I mean, I haven't checked Bend out this week, but uh, Franklin's done. Uh, a couple others who I happen to know were leveraged pretty heavily in the eco in the UGA ecosystem are done. Um, and and it's largely just a waiting game, I think. Right? Yeah. Because there yeah. there are yeah. a heck of a lot of People who, you know, who want the assets, you know, maybe it's not the ape with the crazy assets that they want, right? Maybe it's uh, other collections, Uh, but, you know, they're just kind of slowly and steadily accumulating and, and waiting for things to get better. Uh, So, you know, I don't think I've been overly bearish this whole time, just more, I think our group more than any other has just been really aware, like what liquidity does uh, yeah. for an asset class like NFTs, but also you know, the sky isn't falling, right? Like, uh, well, you know, unless your name is Kevin Rose and you can't execute your shit, but that's a different (laughs) story. Yeah,
0: we can get into that a little bit. Uh, I I do want to ask Sadie. Sadie, is somebody who, when I I watch you talk about buying and selling stuff, obviously you've been in meme coins recently, but like, are you considering entering back into the NFT space at all anytime soon? Or what's your take on the NFT space right now?
1: Yeah, I think similar to Grant, I don't think we've ever thought the sky is falling. And I think more than that, there's always ways to make money in crypto. And so have tried to be opportunistic around creating a system to identify where those opportunities exist before they're so numerous that it's too overwhelming to do. Um, and so, you know, continuing to be in the market, despite the fact that there's not a lot of liquidity. I think is what a lot of us have done just to make sure we're literate in it for when all the capital comes back.
0: Yeah, yeah. The question is how long that how long that takes, right? That's that's the thing. Like I've been I've been literate for a long time, Sadie. I feel like I've been literate for about a year and a half now, and it's still not here.
1: <laughs> so one thing I would say is hedge fund alert is like kind of an insider republication in the hedge fund space, and I think it's probably been a year since there was any mention of crypto and then within the last few months there have been multiple mentions of new launches of crypto funds and so you know i think there's definitely what what do we call it green shoots uh you know there's possibility of institutional capital coming back and i think probably what that means is we've more or less bottomed to grant's point
4: dude that's uh that's interesting because I oh I forget who put out the report. You know, I, I was reading something this week about how VC funding a, in crypto projects all time low. Yeah, all time low. Of course, a lot of focus has gone to AI, and I read that and I was like, cool. Oh, nope. name one good VC project that's come out. <laughs> you know, like, okay, <laughs> not, not like obviously that's being too cynical, uh, but. Uh, That's interesting that you're saying that, Sadie, so like uh, maybe there's some folks out there who are also realizing the bottom is in and are starting to want to like turn the
0: the binoculars back towards our little corner of the world, huh? I mean, it's always like capitulation feels weird when you see it, and I think the biggest, you know, we talk about trying to stick with stuff and, and stay through stuff, like... The, the key is, like, when large players leave and people like Franklin and they eject our, you know, our favorite Eddie is Kongs and all those people who have been, you know, in the space for a long time when those people capitulate, there is a turning point and it feels like maybe we're, we're close to it, which is interesting. Sorry, Eric, what were you going to say? You had something you were
3: going to say. Yeah, I think that the other thing to take notice of is, like, it, it's, a, it's 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 a it been a sort of a tale of two worlds for um NFT, uh, for, like, crypto institutional investing because... I think a lot of VCs that crypto VCs that raise money during like the 21, 22 period are are in a tough spot because um they raised a lot of money. They probably funded deals that are now way underwater uh, and they've never been in a position where they've actually returned capital back to their LP. So it, so it, it just, unless something changes, it's just going to be very, very difficult to raise additional vehicles. Um, Where I think crypto still has been very notoriously um, profitable is on sort of the systemic quant trading side, right? Like when you think about, you know, the prop arms, jump, winter mute, um, those have been consistently profitable strategies. You know, Alameda obviously was a fucking massive outlier. Uh, in the sense that they just kept losing money. Um but I, I think a lot of a lot of traditional um traditional operators are kind of looking at the space and saying like, well, things like arbitrage, basis trades, um, they actually work in this market because it's very inefficient. And I think that over time is 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 going to continue to attract a lot more funding. Like I know for a fact that a lot of the early basis traders um, you know that that started crypto you know in 2012, 2013, Doing like the exchange arms like made hundreds of millions came to, oh, to billions of dollars over that period of time. So, so I I think people like people within the institutional space like do understand. Um, and eventually, like when they see competent managers or like viable strategies, um, they're gonna put money behind it. But I think they're gonna be a little wiser and just not give money to like a bunch of twenty year olds that yeah proceed to get rugged on you know for like millions of dollars on like a shady Telegram ICO.
1: Yep. Yeah, Yeah, I, I would say Salty, I think, agree with you on your characterization of VCs. Um, the nice thing about hedge funds is they actually buy our coins. They don't just sell them to us. Mm. Um, and more than that, they inject real liquidity into the market. Um, you know, market makers make money in crypto, less so in other markets, but they also provide mm. a service. Um, and, and liquidity in the market has been really lacking since FTX, and so... I think, you know, there's there's definitely a benefit there.
0: I there's a, there's a world where like all of the stuff that we've dealt with now and it's April and FTX happened, what, in November, like all of this stuff that we're still in the middle of is FTX related. Like I think a little bit about the regulation conversation, which we can probably get into a little bit, that, that Coinbase is suing the SEC around not responding to their... Uh, to their request for for um, better sense of what the regulations were going to be, I think last July, and I think this is really like seen as the from the crypto world as like finally somebody stepping up to the SEC. But like in my mind, the FCC stuff all really ramped up in part because of the XTX thing, and and obviously Gensler, you know, had connections to SBF. What what do we think about that Coinbase thing? Like, I don't know, Grant, do you think that Coinbase lawsuit's a big deal, or is it mostly just kind of like You know like something to talk about and ultimately there's not going to do anything
2: uh i'm not super sure uh, at this point right i think for you know if you're if you're domiciled in the us and an ira like coinbase is like unless you want to be leveraged bitcoin miners like coinbase is the one kind of angle that that you can get exposure to the market without actually having to pick up a self-custody wallet or you know trust your funds with the next ftx essentially mm-hmm. or potential next ftx uh i just i i don't know where they are with the fight i found you know the campaign and the video this week to be incredibly cringe uh <laughs> and i said it as a joke earlier today in the discord but i'm pretty sure brian should just lean full into just being like uh like a caucasian crypto the rock essentially like he should just get really buff uh and glide by on his good looks because his <laughs> whole like I'm smarter than you, Gary thing is, is not working.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting thing. That it goes back to like we the you know the B team of people that somehow kind of got themselves involved in this world. I wish I wish there was like one person we could all get behind to be like, that's the person that can get cryptic to the promised land. And I don't I guess CZ is the best we got, right? Like, I don't know. If you were gonna pick somebody in this space. I don't know, Eric. What's your? But who's the who's the pick? Who are you going to send in to fight for crypto? If you had to pick one
3: person, uh, Justin Sun, because he, <laughs> if anything goes wrong, he'll just, he'll just he'll just offer to buy it for a billion dollars. Oh
4: I mean, God. His Eminence Justin Sun. Yeah. I mean, His, he, his Excellency. Yeah, sorry, Justin put some respect Sun. on yeah. his name. Yeah. His
2: former Excellency. Oh my
4: oh God. God, I I nominate Sadie for that role. She's but the but one. seriously,
3: I I think I think CZ honestly is is probably the Best we yeah. get, um, yeah. maybe like and I, because we're in the West, he obviously gets painted uh, with a very different brush. Right. Um, but but you know when we kind of think about like Binance BSC and their presence in Asia alongside the the, the other major Asian exchanges, uh, they're just a powerhouse. Um, and I, I think that like the one benefit, like when you talk about like remittances and transfer of funds. Um, and having access to like a stable coin that doesn't massively, you know, that that it doesn't massively deflate itself, like those emerging frontier markets are actually where that where 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 that has the most value. Like the reason Tron has a shitload of TBL on it is because it's actually a very very popular remittance, um, means of remittance, um, in in Latin America, right. where you know inflation is, is it has been a, a persistent problem, um, and so. So I yeah I I think like in terms of actually scaling crypto adoption adoption he's probably the best we have. Uh, you know Coinbase I'm not I wasn't as negative on but but then you know Coinbase and Gemini went ahead and and there you know now there's rumors of them launching these offshore exchanges that can do yeah. perks. Um, and, and honestly, I just, I don't understand that because, because the major benefit of, of launching an offshore exchange is, is regulatory arbitrage. Um, but if you are a U.S. listed entity or you are an entity based in the state of New York, there is no, there is no regulatory arbitrage. Uh, and so you're doing the equivalent of like dousing yourself in chum and then going shark bait. Um, Which which I I feel is just, is just it's just stupid. And from a business perspective, it just means they're mid curving. They're going to mid curve that entire product offering mm-hmm. because you know you 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 want you want to offer perps, but you want to say as compliant to U.S. laws as you can. So so getting people to trade perps, you know, the KYC ML process is going to be very onerous, and then you're potentially limited by the amount of leverage or types of products you can offer. And so it just becomes a perp exchange that like the Gen's don't want to use because they can go on Bybit or Femex or any of these other shady exchanges offshore that don't really have straight KYC and a wider range of levered products. Um, yep. and, and then it becomes, it, it goes from like a regulatory question to, to, to you having the regulatory screen to say, I can't build good products um, because, you know, the regulators don't let me to just saying, well, I can't build good products. Oh, and by the way, remember my NFT marketplace that I spent a billion dollars on and that does like $5 <laughs> of David Bonner.
0: <laughs> RIP Coinbase Marketplace. All right, I
4: I will say on uh, as well. I mean anything with coin I mean anything with our our uh, government agencies. I mean the thing to look for is the knock on effects, right? Like U.S. saber rattles at Paxos, and now like Paxos is just producing more products, and USDP is getting paired with Frax, and blah blah blah. You know, the they're they're trying to shake the tree with Circle. And, and you know, people talk out against Tether and then, you know, USDC DPEGs loses $10 billion on chain, you know, not sorry, not loses, but like has outflows and Tether is larger than ever. You know, it's like it, the knock on effects are near limitless when it comes to uh, how foolish these these things become. Um, so that would be what I would keep an eye on more than just the main story, too.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, why don't we talk? A l- I want to talk a little bit because Sadie's been following it so closely. I do want to talk a little bit about the meme token world and mostly the shitcoin moment that we've been in that seems mostly to have passed. But I, I'm kind of curious, Sadie, you know, in terms of it sounds like you're still uh, actively farming. Farming is the wrong word. Actively like... Uh, hunting them are you a meme coin hunter i guess you are uh what what have you learned throughout this period of this meme coin season which kind of really i think probably kicked off mostly with pepe is there any is there any takeaways you have from meme coin season
1: i think salty said it best earlier it's It's really mev season um mm. it, it is like ripe for the taking um but i also think there's a lot of parallels between nfts where we've all spent a lot of time and shit coins uh, in some ways there's just more liquidity in shit coins um but but it's the same type of of trading which is you know either you make you know 10x or you just desperately try and get your money back before it rugs or
0: <laughs> that's a yeah so this is what i was going to say from my earlier diatribe is Uh, During the down period in the summer of last year, I guess, it was sometime, must have been after Luna, but before FTX and that whatever we're going to call that period of time. It's like we should come up with like Paleolithic era names for these periods of time. I got deep into the shitcoin world a second time. I'd already gotten into it before I got into NFTs. And kind of (laughs) my favorite thing that happened to me then was, I think I've said this story in the Discord, but uh, there was a shitcoin that I got very interested in, very deep on. And it turned out uh, it was a long, slow rug. And the guy who created it was actually kind of brilliant, but he was the first seven people in the Telegram channel talking to himself. So if you went back and he created these seven characters and continued them on for months and had these conversations going on. So shout out to that guy, big creativity. But... Um, Shitcoins are so interesting in that they are really, you, you, you're right, Sadie, you have to find the liquidity. The liquidity times have to be there because if it's not there, it's not even worth playing. But then second of all, it's really a, a crapshoot, almost more than NFTs in that like you're basically picking on a name. You're picking on conceivably a Telegram channel, but even then you really have no idea. And maybe you're picking on the people who are shilling it, right? But those people who are shilling it Probably got their bags, you know, way before you. And at the moment they're shilling it, they're looking to dump their coins. So like, it is such a tricky thing. Um, But I think that the interesting thing about this particular season was that Pepe, if you were in it early enough, you made so much freaking money that everybody who who saw you do that wanted to find the next thing, right? And this is in the same way that NFTs has happened. But like with shit coins, you can actually get wrecked. (gasps) much faster, I think, because it's like going to a blackjack table at a much higher limit in terms of how much quicker the cards come out and how much quicker you can push stuff around and how much quicker it can rug. I mean, Sadie, in your adventures in shitcoin land in the last little while, like, how many direct rugs did you put money into?
1: Too many to count.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean, right? Like, and and it's like, NFTs, sure, they rug and, and there are still some that rug, but like, shit coins like rug all the time so you have to assume when i was doing it like you're looking you kind of have to assume that even if you've done whatever diligence you're going to call diligence in that space one out of every five isn't a rug which is like really kind of shocking when you think about it from a number standpoint but if you hit you get lucky it's it's a pretty remarkable hit but did you did you hit did you hit on pepe i hit on pepe congrats hit
1: on hit on Couple of others that I now realize are probably inappropriate to say out loud. Um,
0: <laughs> can I ask what, what? Can I ask one question about what? What market cap did you get on into Pepe at?
1: Um, just under a million.
0: Congrats! Big win. That's a nice win. Nice That's job.
1: I've win. I've lost it all. Don't worry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. This is the shitcoin casino.
1: Yes, but I'm learning, right?
0: Oh, sure. Sure, you're learning. You're learning, Sadie. Sure. Here's
1: what I would say, which is I always tell people that JPEGs are like a perfect distillation of human emotions and behavior. Because mm-hmm. there's there's no utility. It's just a JPEG. And with shit coins, you don't even get your own. Um, <laughs> it's just an it's just a word. And and so it's an even more perfect distillation. The the blind faith with which people will ape. Things that have a ninety percent probability of being a rug, just to feel the feeling, is amazing. Yeah. Um. I mean, you've got Wallace doing like a hundred and fifty rugs in the last. Oh yeah
3: there was uh, there's that wallet that, that he did like two rugs a day for like a year
1: <laughs> and made talk, talk about picks and shovels right yeah proceeded <laughs> to make,
0: like $15 million wait Zadie are you saying hold on just to that metaphor are you saying that the picks and shovels in this instance is the actual rugging of a token that's the pick and shovel like you yes. actually made <laughs>
1: but but you're helping someone feel something right
0: sure of course of course yeah. it's a psychological gain um, yeah that's crazy yeah. well you know this is one of the one things I think it's interesting about shitcoins, And I have also said this in the Discord because I got so deep into them and so interested in them and weirdly like enough aware of the culture of people that make them that like I at one point I was considering maybe it would be fun to do one myself but then the hardest part about it is there's it, it, I feel like the reputational thing is so different in the shitcoin world and that people don't expect a long-term <laughs> they're not expecting a long-term product, right? Shitcoins in some ways are a much more honest product. You go into it you expect there to be a thing? yeah, sure. are there some people who think that they believe that this is going to become whatever i don't I don't know what's the best Shiba but you sure, maybe, but like most people expect shit coins to go up, peak, and then slowly go down or go down fast, almost back to zero. That's just the assumption. So people who make shit coins, it's like you don't have the same weight on you that you do if you make an nFT, like if you make an nFT. The expectations are that you are supporting it unless unless you come out and say, like, we're doing nothing. People like want you to like, you're running a company. Meanwhile, if you launch a shit coin, you could like, you know, say, good game, everybody. And then you come back later a month, you come back a month later, like that guy who could launch party, um, Bob Blacks, or whatever that guy is, like, and do it again. And people know you and they're kind of like, Oh, this was the guy, the last coin didn't work, but let's try it again. <laughs> it's like, let's go back to the bar and have another shot with this guy, even though the last time didn't work. So it's such a different mentality of what you look at when you kind of buy into it. Um, I don't know, Salty, you've dipped into shitcoins as well, too. Are you like, are you a fan of that space? Do you like it?
4: I I, I think you guys have covered the bases. I think <laughs> what happens is like, uh, I I still reject the, you know, the contention that crypto is merely a casino. I agree it's a large casino, but it's not merely a casino. Uh, but what happens with Pepe is like the Powerball. The the when it gets to a billion dollars yeah. or whatever, it's everybody's just getting frothy because some large amount of money has been had. You know that's and your odds of hitting it are about the same with any amount of money, and then your odds of keeping it for a week, a la Sadie, are <laughs> really about yeah. the same as winning the lottery. Um, so I I don't know. Like I mean, it, I, I hope it's fun for people. But uh, boy, oh boy, if I had more free time and I were just a little bit smaller, I'd be building MEV bots or I'd be like serially launching these things. I don't know. You know, you got to be have really good, you know, ops and say stay super anonymous. But there's no doubt. I mean, how, how many people are making shit coins in the world, like really cranking these out? Is it a dozen? I mean, you just it takes five minutes to make a token contract.
0: Well, I also think the interesting thing to think about is like you know, Ryder Rips and Polly, the two guys who were involved in that lawsuit with Yuga, were shilling the crap out of Pepe early on, and you wonder like, well, were they behind it? And like, no one knows. But also, like, that wouldn't surprise me, right? Like, it's like the it's not hard to launch a token. Like, launching a token is something like somebody's doing it with ChatGPT the other night. So like, you can launch a token, and then it's a matter of like how much influencer slash marketing power can you put behind it? Especially these meme tokens, which. Literally have nothing going for them other than the name and maybe uh, a contract that's been renounced and some liquidity put into it. Like you can launch a token, a legitimate token for you know less than let's say five ETH. You put some liquidity into the contract, you get some good people to talk about it, and you're off and running. So it's not hard to do. Um, it just it all the world is like it feels like the most extreme version of the casino in some ways to me.
3: Well, it's, it's, we're all co-opting into playing uh, Russian roulette deer hunter style. And, and so <laughs> we, we know that most of us are going to catch a bullet and then a few of us are going to win. Uh, but those are the odds. And, and everyone, you know, when inevitably we lose our money and we're like, well, it's a shake point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's just, it's, it's just the nature. It's, it's the nature of crypto and why, why it's great.
1: I just yeah. have to say one more thing about shitcoins which I have unexpectedly loved which is I feel like NFT mentors are like the narcs of Twitter like the narcs <laughs> of crypto. Oh,
0: Twitter. interesting. Why?
1: Like like shitcoin people you rug them they're like they're out cold and then they're back up. They're like ready Oh to yeah. yeah. Yes. I yes. love people. it. They they're, they're not it. like they're not like whining in the discord yeah. about the roadmap. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that in some ways it's refreshing in that space because the the people who make them you're just like oh guess what we all lost on this one together let's try again it's like yeah. it's like this group idea like in fact if one of my favorite things about shitcoins and, and Sadie I don't know if you have you done the whole Telegram thing in shitcoins like are you going to the Telegrams.
1: Oh, I got the Google Translate up for these telegrams going. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so the telegram, so my favorite, one of my favorite things to do to shitcoins, coins. And I still, I, I didn't have enough time during this last run, but there's a great, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you guys what it was. There was a, there was a friend of mine who told me about this really great telegram channel. And it is, it literally is a, is a really interesting channel. It's called, the channel is called iToken. Uh, iToken is one word. And the one that I'm on is iToken Ethereum. And what it basically is, is it's a channel that, that, Shows you when contracts have launched, when liquidity has been launched, when it's been added. Like you can see them come out and you get, you get like updates in this channel about exactly when things launch. And one of my favorite things to do of all time is like go into these new telegrams as the telegrams come out and just watch people (laughs) try to figure out if, if the people running the thing are rugging them or not. And you start to get to know these characters who there are, these recurring people. And then somebody will figure out, as like, oh, it's this guy. And everybody's like, oh, that guy, he's back again. And then they all leave the channel together because they know if it's that guy, you got to get out as fast as possible. And then there's other ones where it's like, oh, look, it's this guy. Guess what? Let's bring everybody in here. And it's like, oh, that guy knows what he's doing. So we're going to stick around. It's like, it is a very weird another version of community. But you're right, Sadie. Like, Nobody's in those channels for months at a time, wondering what's going on, unless it's a token that like took off. Like I'm sure two months from now, when Pepe's market cap is like you know five million dollars, and it's whatever it's you know it's I think it's under a hundred now, went up to hundred and thirty. When Pepe's market cap is five million dollars, there will still be a lot of people in that Telegram channel who DC8 along the way, who are wondering what's going on with the token, and meanwhile the founders of the token are going to be like you know in Barbados for all we know, doing you know their life, and it's just. It's a game where you move from thing to thing much faster, I think. I not Grant, are you a, are you grant you don't play shitcoins at all, do you?
2: By by play do you mean make money off them? Cuz I <laughs> definitely don't.
0: <laughs> okay,
2: fair. But you it's I will just,
0: say, yeah, go ahead, go ahead.
2: It's 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 really fun. It's just I, I think I get whiplash from it. Uh cuz I'm not plugged in, and I don't have the right tools and I don't care to check Telegram. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I mean I think obviously you know, NFC people are kind of at the stage where culture is less apparent and now it's, you know, letter writing campaigns on top of the broken promises <laughs> that they paid for. <laughs> um, I I don't, I probably don't ascribe to the same theory Sadie does though, that like shitcoin people are better people or happier people than, than NFT people. We're just, you know, not seeing the ugly side because uh, you know pepe could very well be like this cycles shiba or doge right uh, But yeah. I, more, I just want to be clear cycle, i'm not
1: saying they're better or happier i'm just saying they can take a punch
2: oh yeah <laughs> that's fair yeah um you know it, one of these things like and it might not even be pepe on eth by the way there's you know pepe on other chains wink wink um but you know for the rest of everyone else who's holding, including myself, holding and buying all the all this other garbage is, you know, it's, it's, we know the ending to the story already. I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it's funny because even like one of the things we were talking about early is the liquidity, the lack of liquidity across much of this stuff. And like I went and for the first time bought some NFTs the other day. Which, you know, speaking of Pepe, they were the world famous PP Pepe's, which are little tiny Pepe uh, things, and they were fun and everything. And I was like, "This is cool. I'll buy a few of these at whatever." .05 and you know they had a little run up to .08 I was like oh, this is great maybe this is not the new Nakamigos and then like the bottom fell out because like I think in the NFT market there is no project that's holding liquidity in in at the lower levels at the entry points then I just haven't seen one for a while really Nakamigos was the last one and it's down pretty bad now too I think it's interesting to think one last thing I did want to say about NFTs and and this kind of is an interesting thing I think we should talk a little bit about is that both? Um, in fact, what, uh, you know, I do some work with overpriced JPEGs, and one of the things we we did a, a, a deep dive with on Memeland recently. Memeland and Azuki, and Memeland and Azuki are like the only two projects over the last thirty days that are kind of up significantly, and Memeland is up quite a bit. Um, sorry, Grant, I know you got out of it. Pretty, you know, not that not when it was up, but um, I want to talk a little bit about the Asian market, and this maybe gets back to like the CZ stuff, but like it does feel like the Asian market is much more alive. And when I say Asian market, I mean I think mostly people buying, you know, this is Hong Kong, um, Japan, uh, I guess some people in China, although I don't know exactly how that works. But it does seem like the Asian market um and people, Asian whales are are still kind of alive in the NFT space, where the other sort of Western whales may not be as alive. I mean you look at Franklin um dumping and getting out and you know even Jimmy and those people that are like old school cool ape people is there anything what do you guys think about that? Is there anything different about the Asian market and, and why are Asian buyers kind of still in when others aren't?
3: Does anybody have a thought on that? I don't know if it's like, you know, in particular the Asian market or the Asian whales, because I, I think you know, with Azuki and um and meme land there's actually a lot of overlap between those two owners and it, it it's it's basically azuki whales uh, and some of the oh that's interesting. Are, i i think hail from asia but but others are, are much more you know based in the west right because i'm just objectively kind of looking at some of the japanese projects like like then deca den and, and yeah. some of these other things like you know they've not performed super well i think yeah. you know obviously machi being one of the bigger well-known asian whales um has just been completely rinsed the last two months uh airdrop farming uh and is no longer providing liquidity on blur so I, I I I think like the ecosystem is much more definitely much more vibrant just across the board whether you're looking at um coin trading or nfts but but I I think I I don't really think that Asian nft bid is really has really been immune I, I think this this nft winter has been has been pretty widespread. Um and I think the and and um memeland are doing well simply because like when that when in these bear markets is a flight to perceive safety.
0: But why is why is Memeland or Azuki? Why are they perceived safety? I know you. I know your theory, Eric, which is like Azuki's stayed where they are mostly because they haven't kicked themselves in the balls, which is was a very good quote you one point you told me, which is awesome. But like, um, why are Memeland and Azuki perceived safety other than the fact that they're up in price? I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. It's like, is it just that they're not fucking up? And I would argue that like you know Memeland, I, I I own a Captain. I think that I'm a big fan of Ray Chan, but like there's an argument they fucked up in the beginning too, but they have been doing some smart stuff like buying things from the ecosystem and, and, you know, they bought a bunch of ETH validators or they invested in a bunch of ETH validators. Like, I mean, are you, do you think that it's just that those two projects are actually doing good things or is there, is there any other reason behind why MemeLand and Azuki are succeeding and others are are hurting so bad?
3: No, I, I think, I think it, it goes back to the, my original comment around trading and a bias here is that, they're just making fewer mistakes. Right. Um, I, I, you know, now with that being said, I think both narratively speaking, Azuki's and Meanland have things on the horizon. I think Ray, you know, I, I think they made a mistake with the world enforcement, but they pivoted pretty well, and they've been, you know, they've been a- really active in sort of staying in the conversation, right? And when I look at projects that have sort of done well year to date on the MT side, it, it's really like pudgy penguins, miladies like anything that that is either meanworthy or 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 kind of at the center of, of the discussion, uh, whether it's a turnaround, whether it's a product. Um, and that gives like the promise of something always is is it's catnip for NFT traders and they always they always gravitate towards it. Right. Um, and I, I think that that was magnified by basically, you know, CloneX, Moonbird, um, doodle holders. A lot of these second tier projects that basically have gone to zero, like jumping ship and rotating into, into these relative life rafts. Uh, is, 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 is kind of a different beast just because they've been top dog for so long. I, I think there's some exhaustion, uh, fatigue within like the ecosystem, given how many assets there are now. Um, yeah. and, and punks are sort of their own thing where there's no narrative in punks. Um, and the, the problem right now is historically the punks distribution has always been pretty awful. So, you know, there, there's going to be like a reallocation period where early, early punk holders exit for a fat profit and redistribute the punks on the way down. Um, and then things eventually settle and, and they just become sort of this and good that has this historical significance. Right? But everything else, everything else has done really poorly. like you can look at that project and actually point to at least two to three things that they did really fucking that they hard. did wrong. No, it's yeah. true. It's true. I think that's a good point.
0: Um, okay. I think we should probably wrap up pretty soon. Anybody else want to add anything to Eric's point there before we move on to our final thoughts?
3: Oh, it's it, it also, obviously it's
0: all blur's fault because <laughs> yeah. yeah Grant, Do you want it, to say something about it, that? And the are down because of blur. Grant, clearly, as somebody who is a direct representation of Blur and and is here in in Blur's uh, for Blur, what do you have to say about that?
2: Yeah, I just want to apologize to the Proof ecosystem. <laughs> uh, in addition to being an advisor to Blur, I, I also moonlight as the dad for for Proof, and that's why they fucked up today. Wow, Grant, well, don't you need you. to
1: make a disclaimer?
2: Uh yeah, but I mean, we barely talked about it today. so. <laughs> just kidding? So, <laughs> Some of us hold shit coins. Um, some of them are called Jesus. Others are called Blur. I mean, it's all the same. You
0: know? Yeah, Sadie, you have to lay. If we're doing disclaimers, you have to lay out every single shit coin you own. So let's start hearing them.
1: <laughs> all right, get the get the like bleep thing ready. We, we uh, can't
3: get fined by the CFTC, right? Because nobody listens to this. The, the, we we give can't, us Just but, yeah. be,
0: Sadie, give us one that you're worried to say, and then we can bleep it out if it's something bad.
1: <laughs> no, I'll, I I I own. Um... Well, now, yeah, I don't. I, none of these are uh, actually that dirty. I own Arthur, like from the children's books.
0: Oh, I would have bought that. I'm glad I didn't see that. That's fun. Did it fail?
1: It went to zero. Of so, course,
0: of course. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I bought some Harb. I bought some Harold that went to zero, which was always good. I probably the fun, The We'll say one more thing about this shitcoin thing. Is that like the people that think this is the first Pepe coin, or that the idea that like this Pepe coin like is oh, of course it's working because it's Pepe motherfuckers, there's been like 50 Pepe coins or more, right? There there are so many Pepe coins that have launched over time. Like what the funny thing about shit coins is, is like you could go relaunch Shiba Inu right now if you wanted to or call it whatever else. Like it's so easy to relaunch something under the same name and it just has to do with momentum. And it has to do with everything else. So... Anyway, have fun, enjoy your shitcoin world, and and dip in if you like to. But just know, it's like say, like what happened to Sadie. If you have a big win, the best bet is to walk away from the casino, not to immediately invest it else in, into it else, or, you're, or you'll lose it all. Um, <laughs> I'm Sorry, Sadie, that wasn't meant. That wasn't meant to be a that wasn't meant to be a chastation.
3: Always double down. Always, Always double
0: down. down. Always you
3: double know, down. when you hit a big in Vegas rules, you hit a big at the uh, at the roulette table. You double down. That, yeah. that that's how it works.
0: I will give one piece of advice in general: DCAing on shitcoins is a very bad idea. So keep that in mind. You think it's going to come back? It does not work. DCAing does not work on shitcoin. Um, okay, let's let's jump to our final thoughts. Um, uh, let's see, uh, salty. Is there anything this week that you are looking forward to in the week coming up? Ooh, I don't know. Um, uh, more ETH locking forever or being staked
4: uh mm. some curve usd uh contracts have been deployed so you know soon maybe in the next five years that launches <laughs> uh frax something to look forward to yeah 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 i mean there's always stuff going on in DeFi. uh axes uh base, making lots of base pairs you know the, the 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 landscape of large traded pairs on large decks like curve is, is shifting a little but um yeah, let's go with that. Some new stables. There's always some cool new stables coming out, and now's a decent time to launch them because you know there won't be the insane hype cycle that kills them
0: with uh, yeah. radical speculation. Yeah, you know, this is a dumb question salty, but you know, can you make money on those? Like, how do you make money on stable coins? I, and this is me, who's not a deep DeFi person. Like, what do you do? Do you can you just do you just take? Like, is it because you get yield on them? What's the what's the money experience on on stable coins?
4: I think. uh uh, maybe everyone who who listens can go google uh and then google the Cot- Cotillion effect uh everybody wants to be a money printer i mean it's the most right. lucrative thing you can do or be right next to the money printer but yeah the the backed <laughs> and super regulated ones i mean they're they're doing, doing something with cash they have on hand i mean it's it's the opportunities that open up to you when you are a stable producer are near limitless. And the more of it you fractionalize, the more money you can make. So Terra fractionalized 100% of it. That's why UST imploded. Ax only fractionalized 20% of it, and they were able to sustainably scrape a huge delta off that while still
0: controlling the peg forever. Uh, But since this is closing thoughts, I don't want to go too deep. No, no, that's fine. Actually, I would love to go in deeper on that at some point. I think I'm pretty interested in that, but let's let's skip it for now. Um, uh, Sadie, what about you? Anything you're looking forward to this week?
1: We talked about the Coinbase stuff from a substantive perspective, but I'm a little bit viewing Coinbase and the SEC at this point as like a toxic relationship. Mm. And so the SEC is like, Coinbase, we're breaking up. And Coinbase is like, oh, my God, like, I'm moving. And the SEC <laughs> is like, yeah, OK, Uh <laughs> And the video was so cringe and I just, I just hope it continues for the entertainment value.
0: Oh my God. This is a new reality show. It's like the, it's It's Netflix failed as a reality show, but we can watch this. The
1: awkward, like full frontal, like we think crypto needs regulation. It's so low budget. It's so excellent. Just more.
3: Yeah. I I told someone that I thought Coinbase bonds were like money good. And then I saw that video and I i i really wish i hadn't said that
1: i i would like to claim a point as first mover in our discord for uh, assuming coinbase bonds are not money good
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh eric what about you what are you looking forward to
3: for me i'm really looking forward to seeing what happens on fomek um just because stan jugger a pretty legendary hedge fund investor recently placed a short dollar bet um you know, saying that it was one of his highest conviction beds in, in recent memory. Um, and, and, you know, this is the, the the end of the potential Fed tightening cycle uh, in confluence with, with, you know, maybe inflation finally starting to moderate. I think that's the beginning signs of, of, uh, of, of a new cycle for crypto, at least from like a macro backdrop standpoint. Uh, and at the same time, I do like, I like to make fun of it, but we are getting starting to see like real substantial product, um, starting to, to scale and, and run, you know, GM like Arbidon obviously is, has made big waves, um, GMX continues to scale, um, layer zero just announced a huge round. So I, I think, I think there's still, you know, there's still a lot of good things to come. Um, but, but I, next week, I, I think that, uh, that the tone of, the, the FOMC comments of these sets up sets the sort of the you know, sets the backdrop for the next, I don't know, at least like month or so. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Uh,
2: Grant, what about you? Uh, so everyone's kind of circle jerking over the L2 narrative, and I'm not opposed to it. I I, I'm, I plan to hold pretty big bags in ARB myself, uh, and there's some nerds over at Lance who are already announcing an L3, for God's sakes. Wow. Uh, but uh, I kind of want to zag, and I, and I do think there's still room for... Other l ones to thrive in the next cycle, despite despite a lot of them just being completely dead and ghost towns. Uh, I think Solana has shown a really, really healthy rebound, uh, particularly on the NFT front. And you know, in in the age of in the age where you know no DeFi are really thriving on the ETH side, uh, faster transaction speeds and cheaper transaction costs uh, really make Solana pretty appetizing if you're just kind of like a budget trader kind of kind of guy.
0: Yeah, mad,
4: mad, mad
0: are doing I was gonna funny. say, shout out to Mad Lads, which you know, um, uh, one of our uh wonderful members of Mid Curve was very early on and excited about. And I was like, I can't buy another, I can't buy a Sol Mint, I'm sorry. And then I proceeded to get very mad about the fact that it did very well. Um, so there are there is something happening on Sol, which is pretty crazy. That's a that's a really interesting thing to talk about. Um,
2: uh, yeah, I, yeah,
3: I think that's interesting. Yeah, and um, then it,
2: go ahead, and then there's uh, there's uh, as if you know, we needed another ghost town L one. Uh, there's the Sui token dropping. Uh, I think the same day as FOMC. Uh, interesting enough, they uh, so so they share some code with Aptos, I believe. Uh, another dead L one.
3: Yeah, it's written off of Move, um, and it's not a drop. We have to pay money for the token.
2: Yeah, I was I was gonna say. Interesting enough, it's it's kind of the the one <laughs> new chain that hasn't adopted like the airdrop uh incentive program and it's just like you if you if you want to participate you got to pay pay to play kind of thing uh and i'm only aware of all this crap because i have access to like i th- i think it's it's got to be one of the first like nfts minting on that chain so i'll be kind of like a forced uh captive audience to, <laughs> to how this new chain will, will will perform regardless of how sweet does I, I again i i do want to reiterate that like a couple, one to two other L1s will will thrive next cycle. Uh, I think Solana is going to be one of them, and, you know, make your pick of of the other one.
3: Uh, I mean, the the sweet drop will be super interesting because if it's successful, no other L1 or major protocol may opt to do a free airdrop in the future. That's interesting.
0: Um, Okay, well, uh, uh, before we go, like I guess what I'm looking forward to is... Uh, hopefully, some of that shitcoin money kind of finding its way back into NFTs, but I'm not convinced of it. I think I'm I'm kind of interested. Um, I am interested in what MemeLand is going to do going forward. I think that um, Ray has put together some interesting stuff, and kind of so I just don't, I, don't, I just don't have hope for a lot of things that are coming out on the NFT platform. Um, I will say one good, interesting piece of news. I I kind of thought, even though I'm not a giant fan of artifact stuff, um, Nike's Dot Swoosh platform has been doing relatively well, and like that's an interesting thing you should dig into and kind of see what what's up with it because like there's a lot of people interested in digital um goods and i think that there's a world where if you know nike does digital wearables well and we all think of you know wearables have been kind of a joke up to this point because when you say the word wearable you think oh wearable is in decentraland and the thing where nobody's using it but if nike is is interested in kind of getting into wearables nike has really interesting insights in what apple is doing and if there's one company that can actually move the market in a new platform it's apple and in june which is uh, not really this week but coming up soon at wwdc apple is going to announce its ar headset and and ostensibly show it off now this is a this is a headset that supposedly there's a lot of internal fighting around that some people believe it's not really an apple product but like it's being pushed forward it's going to be expensive but if that works if the headset works you know everybody's been you know gushing over ai for the last six months now like there's a world where you know if this headset works it kind of turns the head of what it means to own an nft and and a wearable maybe is something for is this something real like that could actually be something. Valuable in a world that is that is driven by seeing people wearing digital things. Now that is still a long ways out, and that there's a lot of if, ands, or buts that go along with that. But I'm interested to see what Apple's take on an augmented reality device is and whether or not it will conceivably change how we interact with the world. Obviously, the iPhone did this before, but the iPhone was Steve Jobs. It was a paradigm that kind of made sense in some ways because it was an extension of the palm pilot and all this other stuff It did come up something new vr and ar has had kind of semi-mixed results so far but that is what I'm, I'm looking forward to that um moving forward as we go along so um i think that's it you guys it was a good show um thanks everybody for being here and, and joining us um and we're gonna definitely do these weekly again so <laughs> keep that in your calendars uh anything anybody everything before we go um thanks everybody for joining us it's the mid-curve podcast uh it's nice having you all here